0: Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast. We're your hosts, Monty Wyatt and Paul Sazinski. Wherever you are in life, there is a higher ceiling. This podcast is how you become aware of it and how to take action to push through it. I'm Monty Wyatt, best selling author of Pulling Profits Out of a Hat and CEO of Adding Zero's Executive Development. I grew up on a family farm in Iowa and have gone from sowing corn to sowing seeds of success throughout the world, leading, managing, and training teams. With me is Paul Suszynski, entrepreneur and investor who also grew up on a family farm here in Iowa. We believe every organization and person can be intentional in how they lead, influence and manage their lives and businesses. What's Your Ceiling is for professionals, managers, executives, entrepreneurs and business owners who want to achieve more in their health, family and business by breaking through their ceiling. Every episode, will give you real world, easy to implement solutions so that you can be more aware and take action to reach new heights. It's time to discover your ceiling welcome to the next episode of what's your ceiling where we talk about your health your family your business and ways that you can push through to that next level and continue to grow in your skills in your life and your health and your business it is a great day i'm monty wyatt I'm Paul Sosinski. And we've got a fantastic guest with us today, and I'm going to have Paul introduce our guest.
1: Yeah, we are lucky today. We talk about, you know, our our health, our family, uh, our business, you know, breaking through different uh, ceilings. And boy, we have one here today that uh, has worked hard and is a good example of an achiever. And we're going to talk about that today. And I'm looking forward to introduce to you Lillian Oketch. She wrote the book, The Spirit of Warriors. It's a wonderful book, and we'll talk about that uh, later today in our podcast, but it's just amazing the many things that Lillian has overcome and achieved. And after reading her book, I I learned a lot myself. She has uh, guides, she runs with a positive attitude, uh, she does a lot of the things that we talk about in our podcast and uh, she just gives us another view that makes us better and'm I'm, I'm really really happy and I'd like to introduce Lillian we're glad to have you here
2: thank you for having me thank you
1: yes and we'll talk a little bit she's from originally from Africa Uganda and it's really unique the first 15 years of her life she grew up in a refugee camp and Could you tell us a little bit about where that was at and how how your family ended up on that refugee camp?
2: Yes, so I'm originally from Uganda. My parents originally from South Sudan. So when the war broke down in South Sudan in 1998 through 1990, it was like really bad to the point where you either die or flee for your life. And my mom was pregnant with me at the time when they flee from South Sudan and they arrived in Uganda. I was born in a refugee camp. I was the first, probably like the first people who were born in that refugee camp, you know, so we, I was born in the, in the town called Kidgum, it's in Northern Uganda, and when we, when the refugees settled there, the Uganda and, and the UN, they decided to move people a little bit down south so they can, um, give them a land. So that's what our refugee camp was. They give us a land to, mm-hmm. uh, for us to build a house and plant our food and they, they dig a well so we can have a clean water.
1: So the refugee camp is basically a place that the government has given a group of people and that's where they're supposed to stay and live? Is that how it works? It's-
2: so a refugee camp, yes. It's like when you flee from your country, you don't have any place to stay. And these, these people, they just welcome you in their country. And they will be like, we can just put you anywhere. We want to put you in a group so we can know, you know, like know how to count or how to help you. Because every time when war started in the country and the people flee from their country, the UN are supposed to step in and help those countries, Um, I mean, help those people who arrive in the new country.
1: You know, we got a lady here, Lillian who starts in a refugee camp, born in a refugee camp, uh, works her way to America and builds a company. And she's becoming an, a, a, a really, an entrepreneur here in the Midwest. She's become well-known. So this story, you want to take notes because if achievers out there want to learn something, she can show you a, a mindset. As I, I believe we're going to talk a little bit about here later, but I think that mindset's what really pulled you out of the refugee camp. You went to Idaho, end up in Iowa and, and start building business. Her relationships. She's raising four wonderful boys. And so when you're in this refugee camp, there's still turmoil outside in the country. And there's a lot of, you know, there's tradition that you have. And I know you lost a sister that you were close to. And uh, you might want to talk a little bit about how those traditions and how that conflict's had at that time. I mean.
2: So people usually ask me, how is the life in refugees camp? And I usually don't know how to answer that because when you are born in the environment, where you did not see the outside of the world, that is all you know. And for you, that is a comfort life because that is all you know. Yes. You know, I did not see um, a car running until when I was nine years old, <laughs> you know, getting into a bus when we were going to our interview to come to America. And so going into town for me was like, a, it's, it's a shock because we were, I was born in refugees camp. I was raised in refugee camp. I never see anything, you know, when you see a plane, it's like a small bird really mm-hmm. high in the sky. You really don't know where it's going or how big the 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 plane is until when you step out and then you see a, a different part of the world. And you, you will be like, "Oh wow, what mm-hmm. is going on?" And then your brain will start reason with life. It is all I have
1: now. When you were growing up in that refugee, you kind of had some health problems actually for a while. So you didn't actually go to school. Is that correct? Yes. For a while. Yes. Tell us a little bit. So you really didn't go to school until you're roughly 14, 15 years old or am I wrong? What was
2: I started my school when I was 11 years old, but the education was not strong enough. And at the time, we were going back and forth, actually, on our interview. But to to go back on my health, problem is that when my mom was pregnant with me, they were fleeing from the mm-hmm. country that have a war. So there was like a gunshot, there was bombing and there's all this smoke on the hair. Mm-hmm. And she exhaled that in so that affect my lung. Mm-hmm. So when I was born in this world, I have a lot of health problems because of what my mom exhaled in.
1: Yes. Wow, uh, And uh, at that time, how, ma- how many brothers and sisters do you have?
2: I am number seven.
1: Number seven. Okay.
2: Yes.
1: Lucky seven. <laughs> Lucky seven. Yes. So. And, and, and you, when you were over there, you, you have a process to get to America. Yes. And you had a sister that was, I believe, already in America. And tell us a little bit, what is the process to get to America? And they do interviews, is what I understand.
2: Absolutely. The process of coming to America, I always like. I always tell people, this is a... I'm, I'm privileged to be here in this yeah. country because everybody come in a different way. Uh, there's some people who they get a form through UN embassy, I mean, UN agency, and there's some people who they already have their family here who apply for them to come to America. So what America government decided to do is really to help the people who are in refugee camp to bring them here in this country so they can have opportunity of going to school or have a job because we don't have a job in refugee camp. So my my sister husband they were the first people who ran to Uganda when the war just started it wasn't serious so when American government decided to start bringing people up that is back in 1994 1995 my my sister husband and um, they have the opportunity to come here in America and when they get here now there's a new culture new life they start calling back home to start looking for women because they don't want to like it's not like they don't want to marry the women who are here but they just it's yeah. a different culture so that when he uh, one of his brother back home find my sister and connect them and he bring my sister here and my sister um decided to fill a form for us to come here
1: now in your culture it, you do have pre-arranged marriages yes. correct yes and uh and that's usually done by the families
2: Yes. So two okay. families come together and I don't want to jam into story, but that what happened to me when I moved in America. Uh, within two years, I get pregnant and because of my culture, they have to marry me off to that
1: man. Yes. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here in just a second. But... You know, something I read in your book that you had to go, is it Camilla? Camilla, what's the town you had to go do the interview to get to America? It's Kampala.
2: That is the capital of Uganda. So we start our interview in 2000. We were supposed to come here in 2001. Mm -hmm. Our name was already out and we were to leave Africa in the next two weeks. That when we get a call, September 11 happened, America canceled everything so we can't
1: come. 9-11-2001. Yes. Yes. So right. that
2: destroyed everything. We went back home. We were just back to our regular life, doing our, um, going back in our garden, going back to school, and it took four years for the process to resume and for us to even like
1: get to come here. What I'm trying to understand is, you go to the next town. You go through a series of interviews. Yes. Do you take tests or just interviews?
2: They interview you because they want to, because they try to bring the, they try to help the refugees come here. And there is some people that they may take advantage of claiming they're refugees and they're not. So they will ask you where you come from. um, When did you flee from your country? What was going on? um, How can they give you the opportunity to come in America? And everything have to match with, what is in the paper because like my sister was here she was filling out a paper the reason for us to come here is just right. we are in refugees camp we flee from South Sudan in 1989 and we live in refugees camp for 10 years now and um, it will be a great opportunity for us to come here because we are in refugees camp so they try to they will ask you to make sure that um, you are really
1: refugees you, you have, I, I, they're looking for the right mindset yes. right I mean they're, they're looking for somebody that's going to come to America and basically fit in to more of a, a, you're coming to, to better yourself because I know there were some people that you knew got declined. Some people were, did not pass. The interview process
2: some people they did not pass the interview process because um what they're saying and what their people write in the document is not mm. much so like they were bringing everybody they were not looking for any kind of specific mindset they, okay. they were just like bringing everybody from refugees camp so but um whatever that you're saying have to match it with what is in the document Okay. Um, That's why um, they call it Sudanese birthday. Everybody have one one, like January first. And and for that being said, so you will not fail in the interview because they want to make sure, like like they will tell us, like okay, when they ask for your, bir- your for your birthday, just say one one. So,
1: you know, stepping on that. <laughs> listen to this now, Monty. They don't know when they were born, right? I mean, so you you guys just. I think you were actually. They told you they put you up two years older than what you really were.
0: Yes. And.
1: And so you didn't know when you were born, so they just made the date up, and it's usually January 1st. Yep. You- now, have you changed it since then and made your own? You're not allowed you can't. Oh, you can't.
2: Like the American system, they will not allow you to change your So
1: everybody's born on New Year's Day. Yes. Yeah, so we <laughs>
2: call it Big Sudanese celebration birthday.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: That's
0: wonderful. <laughs> that, that, that,
1: that's that's kinda cool. I never knew that. And you know, one thing about when you talk to your sister on the phone and she was telling you about America, you can eat anything, everything's free. It was really uh, interesting and, and we are so privileged here in America and don't realize sometimes what we have until we hear from someone like you. And I know that it means a lot to you. And, and I think the more we hear it from people like you, the better we get. Yeah. You know, I think, don't you think, Monty, I think sometimes we're so busy in our own life, we don't realize uh, there's a lot of people out there that we're already a ceiling above. And now we have a, a, a lady that comes over, African lady, comes over here and does what she does. I give her so much respect absolutely and you know the process of getting here to you know here she's ready to go it's 9-11 hits. She gets deferred. Now I want her to finish that story. She doesn't come until, and you even gave up. So it was just a chance. Somebody had to be in, in that town and heard something that their name was on the board. Came back. This is, They gave up ever coming to America. Three years later, am I correct? Yes. So explain how that happened. He came back to the village.
2: So we came back to the village, and we don't know when it will happen. My mom, she's a really a hardworking mother, and we she just went back to do her garden and she put us back in school and we just lose hope because coming to america the people who are in america here they take this life um for granted really mm-hmm. because there is millions of people are dying to come here and get the opportunity and so we really wanted to come here but when September 11 happened and we lost hope. Like it might happen, it might not. And there's so many people that they even pass the interview, but they will still. Did not make it in America, so coming to America is like winning a lottery
1: for so many people. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's wonderful to hear. That people need to hear that. Now, when you came here to the U.S., I believe you started in school and you started learning your ABCs at ninth grade. Correct? Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about that and how the you, you know, <laughs> which is, I think, is amazing. Yes.
2: Yeah, so when we come here, I was already 15 years old, but because of the the education system in in the refugee camp is not so great, so. I didn't learn A, B, C, or I didn't really learn any English when I was in a refugee camp. So coming here in ninth grade, um, they will separate us from the other kids and put us in a different um, class. They call it ESL, where they would start learning us from, I mean, they would start teaching us from from gear levels, really learning mm-hmm. our ABC and, and learning how to spell cat and dog yeah. and, and all the different food and stuff. So that's that how I, I started.
1: <laughs> well, that's amazing to, to go from there and where you're at today. But I know at one time you were thinking about being a doctor and uh, you ended up getting into a relationship kind of deferred. And I, I think you said something in a quote was that relationship made me a better wife, a better person. And I thought that was unique. Um, you might want to touch on that a
2: little bit yes yeah, so when I come here I really my my goal was because when I was living in refugee camp, I always have a health issue and I don't know if I put it in the book but There was a time where I have to go to the doctor like every day to get 10 shots. I mean, Mm -hmm. every week to get 10 shots. Yeah, Yeah. going to that hospital, the hospital was not well formed. And I remember there was a a, a little girl who, I think we were the the same age, and she have five shots and I have 10. So when I go to the hospital, the nurse, which they're not supposed to do it, but they train us for me to give the shot to that girl and that girl to give the shot to me. And for me, when I was young, we do it, it, it looked fun. But in my mind, I was curious. So I'm like, I don't think this is right. <laughs> so when I come to America, I really wanted to go to school to be a doctor so I can go back home to Africa and build the best hospital and people can have the, the, the healthcare that they deserve because when I was young struggling with my health it was a problem like taking medication that they're not even sure if it will cure my sickness but they would just give it to me anyway because I go to the the hospital. So coming here I really wanted to go to school get my doctor degree and go back to Africa and build build the, the hospital but when I get pregnant my parents they were just like it's like I it's like I hurt them, but they don't know how much that getting pregnant hurt me because I see my, my dream and, and my vision is, is fleeing away. You know, um, I want to go back a little bit. When I arrived in New York City, the, when we arrived in New York City, and the lady who welcomed us in America, she was African-American woman. I wish I know her name, but I'm not, I, I don't remember her name. But when I saw her coming toward us, she was wearing a black suit, a brown coat with a boot. That was in January. And I look at her. It was my first time to see a woman in a black suit. And I was so fascinated yeah. with, with her image. And right there, you know, I turn and I look around and I see all these women in the airport. It just warmed my heart. And right there in a, in a JF Kennedy International Airport, I promised myself, one day I want to be in a black suit and a brown
0: coat.
2: One day I want to be just like her. So when I get pregnant, I can see that image of that woman, it's like, it's, it's, it's like my dream is like running away from me because now I have to be a mother and I have to be a wife at 16 years old that I was not even
1: prepared myself to be. Yes, and at the time, they were putting you down as 18 years old, at that yes, right? Yes,
2: yes. So old. on my document it's saying 18, but my real age is 16, but American government can't really do anything because now they start treating me like adults because my documents say 18.
1: Right, right. Right. You know, you had to, you know, in your book, you talked about, you know, your mindset and getting into a better mindset. And you said basically, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is if they took religion out of the Bible and people would read that, not because they think it's about religion, just But it is the guide it will show you your path of life and how to get better and whether you're religious or not it's in that book yes and i found that that you had the awareness and you've obviously read it cover to cover could you talk a little bit about that
2: yes for me i truly believe that i believe that a bible is a a constitution of god kingdom Uh, It's not supposed to be a religion book, but because we categorize ourselves as a Christian, we we take the Bible and put it into religion, and now everybody practice according to how they understand it. Mm. But the Bible is really is to to help us so we become better, so we can live by um, what God wants us to be. Because, you know, I truly believe that we are sent in this world for a reason. We are not just get sent here to just go to work, go sleep, and and just live a life and die. And people to remember you with your uh, this this stone on your grave. I believe that I myself I want to die like Paul. I want to die like Jesus. When I lay down someday in my deadbed, I want to be like I have done the good work. I finished my race. That's what I want to do. So going back into the Bible, I would say, you know, when you read my book, I I I I forgot to put it in there, but I wanted to say, don't put your mind into the religion part when you're reading this book because I am writing from the kingdom
1: uh, perspective wonderful. Lillian is, you know, come from this refugee camp, went to Idaho and Iowa, and then started this business, this cleaning business. And I know you worked uh, for Walmart for a while. Yes. She worked for Walmart, uh, came here and actually kind of worked your way up at Walmart, but you really knew you had to more, you wanted to do something different. Yes. And you wanted to go out. And something you said in your book, I think everybody out there, it gets back to going through pain, going through the next ceiling. And you said you had to change your mindset. Yes. And change the way I was thinking. And you did that in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, obviously you took, you know, the Bible was a big part of it, but you also listened to Les Brown. Yes. You listened to Jim Rohn. Yes. Many of the things that we listen to mm. and kind of talk about that transformation of that mindset, because you're coming from really no knowledge of what the outside world is mm. for 15 years. Yes. You're learning your ABCs at 15. Yes. All of a sudden you get in and pregnant and you have to, you're Kind of set back in your own mind. Yes. You had to break out of that. Yes. You had to break through that ceiling. Absolutely. And you didn't go in even. You went down deficit. And then you dug yourself up out of that ceiling and broke through the ceiling. It's amazing what you did. And so could you talk about the, what was that first step? You, obviously, you were look, like you said, you were looking at that, those people that you felt successful and you had the right mindset. When did that trigger? When was the time you realized it was you and you're pres- responsible for only you and there's nobody else that's going to give you your happiness? And I love that about your book.
2: When you come from the place where you don't have much knowledge... When you start listening to people like Les Brown or Jim Rohn or uh, Tony Robbins, you start feeling like they're speaking a different language even though you hear what they're saying. Because you'll be like, what are, you, what are they talking about? That what was in my mind. What are they talking about that they're saying? I can be this person. I can become the woman that God created me to be. I can win. I can run a business. What are they talking about? And for me, leaving my husband was a big jump because that is in 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 where we come from in our culture our elder they will do everything they can to keep you into marriage even though they know that you are suffering so put it in my book that what helped me to leave him is when I find myself in Park County Jail. (laughs) And and then from there, they have to put a restriction that I cannot see him and he cannot see me for three months. That will open my eyes because we were playing a game of forgiveness. You know, because when you're in this, when you're in a toxic relationship, every time when there's a fight and there is a, a problem, you guys will fight. And then the next day will be like, oh, let's forgive each other. I forgive you. And then you go back and the next day it's like, you're in this circle of life and i know that deep inside i know there's more out there deep inside i always live in my imagination when i'm watching a show like opera or like watching like a tv show when i look at those people and i'll be like what make them different that they can live this lifestyle that they can drive the Mercedes-Benz or like the, the lincoln and living in a mansion and i'm here living in two bedroom apartment and and fighting with this man every day i'm in america this should be a password to become a better in my life. How can I do that? And I listened to a book from Steve Orvis called Jump. And Steve Orvis said, you, you you have to jump. And I'm just like, how would I do that? Okay, I probably have to leave my husband. And he said, when you jump, you probably get hurt. And then when I find myself in a Polk County jail, I'm like, oh man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's back up here just for a second. To clarify, she had a disputed home and her ex-husband made a story up that you abused him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> she had to go to jail. So it was just a...
2: Yes. Yeah, so we, we get in a fight. Yeah. Um, well, we we, we, were, we fight a night before yeah. and I took, me and my boys, I took them and we went to my mom's house. But when I wake up that morning, I find out my kid don't have a clothes to go to school. Because when we fight that night, I took the key away from him and I locked the door. I thought he would not inside the house so when I walk inside the house in the morning he climbed through the window and get inside the house and he was sleeping in the bed and when i walk in i was like how did you get in here and then he come like fighting and you know because when you're in toxic relationship you already know what's coming Mm -hmm. so (laughs) you know we start wrestling and we fell on top of the bucket he get cut more than me because the night before he broke my phone so i don't have a phone he called 911 claimed he was sleeping i have a knife and try to kill him Oh oh my god and then so when the police come it was my first time really facing a police like face-to-face right. and talking to them I don't know what I was saying I was so nervous right. and they just thought I was lying but I wasn't so I found myself in a jail. jail. Oh
1: shoot. <laughs> 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 yeah that's you know it, it, you know that's it, it was a learning you took it and, and you learned a lot from it you didn't yes
2: that was a breaking point for me because um, I'm so glad and grateful I'm the one go to jail because if he were the one to go to jail, I could have forgive him because mm. I wanted us to be together. I want him to do better. And I could have like maybe bail him out and forgive him and we could have go back into the circle of our everyday life. But because I'm the one who go to jail and seeing all those women in jails and you know, I'm always the peacemaker. I'm always wanted to do better for right. people. So now finding myself in jail is like, okay.
1: And, and that kind of gets back to a quote you had in the book is you gotta work on yourself before you can help somebody else. I absolutely and and i think you probably both of you need work on both of each other before you can have a
0: relationship we were i think nowhere. we all yep we were all that way. We were
2: nowhere to be together. like uh,
0: Not even close. <laughs> I want to hear your story of how you decided to go into business and and tell us about your, your cleaning business and what you're up to.
2: Absolutely. So I get out of jail, living in my mom's two-bedroom apartment. I was depressed. I, I don't even know where to start. But even though I was in my mom's two-bedroom apartment sleeping on the floor with my boys, I still continue listening to the motivation I speak, I continue listening to Jim Rohn, Steve uh, Steve Orvey and Les Brown. There was a point where I was blaming myself. Mm. I was really hitting myself like I I don't like the person that I become because I'm like I'm blaming myself for getting pregnant. I'm blaming myself to stay in an abusive relationship for 10 years. I was blaming myself for all this and I start taking like ibuprofen to go to bed. I take like 10. Like I was really overdosing myself Mm. to sleep because I just want the pain to go away But I don't know how. So when I numb myself with those pain medication, it would numb me, like, not in a good way but i just want the pain to go away so one day i was listening to les brown he was talking about how he was like in abandoned um in abandoned building and somebody had to rescue him and i found myself connected to him i feel like i'm even though i was in my mom two bedroom apartment with my boys i feel abandoned and i just remember praying to god i'm like you have to show me the way or take my life away because I do not want the person that I become because I know that I can do more. And from there, at the time, I already was cleaning our church. And somebody asked me like can you clean my house and i said yes and that house sometime god work you know you have to be very careful how you can listen to god voice because you might pray for a miracle your miracle might come from somebody just asking you like sign a contract or uh, come visit me so when they asked me i take the job and then she referred are not a friend to me and they start um, referring customer to me so within a year I find myself having more clients that I can handle and it gives me ability to move out of my mom to bedroom apartment to find my own place when I move into my own place I don't really have like cookware or bed I sleep on the floor for six uh, for six months so cleaning really helped me to get a bed and and get a a furniture in my in my house and so from there i just kind of think i said hmm if cleaning can help me to have my own place with my boys and help me to food uh, put like food on the table maybe I should start a cleaning company that not only going to help me but help other women who are in the same situation that mm. as I was and that when I started cleaning for hope so cleaning for hope. when we clean people house when they don't want anything like furniture clothes or bed they donated to us and I always donated it back to the community to the people who are really in need of it and on top of that as at Cleaning for Hope, We, really, my focus is really to work on this woman mindset, you mm-hmm. know, for them to find their purpose and their potential and how they can know that they can, they don't just have to be a cleaner, they can do better.
0: Oh, that's that's wonderful. Now, how, how many employees do you have and how many other women that have a similar experience of working for you?
2: I have five employees and I have, so I have people from all over the place, I have People from South Sudan, from Burma, and some people here from America. Most of them, they're related. So when we have our business meeting, because I, we we always started with prayer and then giving some motivational talk to them, and then tell them how they're doing. They will always just say thank you for saying that because this is what I'm going through. Because most of them are single mother, just like me. Yes.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> What's the big vision that you have for your business? What do you What do you want?
2: I want to create an environment of understanding Mm -hmm. that for me that what drives me I want to I don't want to just have a business but I want to create an environment where I can teach you about where I come from. And you can teach me about where you come from because I feel like um the refugees and immigrants and America there is a lot of misunderstanding and there's a lot of big gap that we don't understand each other. And for me I want to be that gap to be like um I have a quote saying like teach me how to love you and I will teach you how um I mean what what is it? Said? It said I will teach you how to love me, and you have to teach me how. It's it's your responsibility to teach me how to love you. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, like, if he did not read that book, he would not know where I come from and what kind of food we eat and and our traditional marriage and all this stuff. But because now I have the book out, when you read this book, you'll be like, oh, wow, these people, they did not just come to America, they are the same people as all of us, but they just in a different, they just come from a different environment. And with my cleaning business is really to, uh, to help those women don't see color, don't see just, um, you are just here in America, but how can you be better?
1: You know, it's saying that I really love the fact that how you came to the, where you take personal responsibility and you you had a, uh, you were big about that. And something you you had said in there, and Monty and I, we talk about it is people talk about equal. The world's not equal. And you bring that up. Life's what it is. And you come back here and say, you know, the gold is within us. Yes. So I really, really appreciated that to hear that. And then two types of people that you like are the people that give it 100% and that are honest. Yes. And basically, no excuses. No and finishing a little bit here is you have an African proverb there is no enemy within the enemy outside do not harm us. Nope. And which is kind of cool. So you've really built up a real—I don't know how to say it—a a shield or a mindset—that yes. you're out there and you're gonna give it all you got. And I think that's what we're doing here with Absolutely. achievers. And a lot of us out here in America, we we really don't realize how good we have it. And you did make a comment in there. You said African American people are really hard workers, but sometimes they get on in a system that hurts with getting too much. So I think I think it's a great idea, as you as a leader for everybody to see that. I think for Americans, my kids, my family, there is no excuse. What a great role model! What a great role model! And and if you want, it just shows that if it is, I believe money and art are the same way. We believe it's a mindset. It's within you. Take personal responsibility, and it takes a lot of pain to go through those next level to the next ceiling and that's what we're all about and uh this has been a really a great interview and i think this is something that people out there can see that this lady here stepped up and did an unbelievable had a
0: a lot of obstacles in a way One of the the questions that we, we ask all of our guests is, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be remembered by?
2: I always say this, I am the hope for humanity. Like I am the hope everywhere I go. Just like he was talking about, when you finally realize that, it's not because of America. It's not because of where you come from. But you are within the one can rewrite your story and relive your life the way you want it. Then you will like you will find <clears throat> a better way of understanding people's and living a legacy will be an easy thing to say. As a leader, of course, we want to be known for one thing. For me, I want to be known as this woman who live in Iowa and bring the hope and bring the unity and help me understand what it means uh, for the African to be here in this country. Um, for you to know that that is another mindset mm-hmm. because when, like, <laughs> I remember going to northern of Iowa to get because we like to buy a, a goat or a cow from the farm because we don't like this the one in a in the store, but when I went over there this guy, he was so excited to meet me because he met Africa. Like he's like, I, nobody ever come in my shop. And I was so friendly and he give me um, the, the clothes to, to wear so I can help him cut the meat. So I just go in like, okay, bring me the knife. And I start cutting the meat. And he was just sitting and looking like, you're a woman and you don't even care about the mess and you just do it, oh my God. And he started asking a question and he want to know more about where I come from. um, Why do we want to get this cow from the farm and all this. And I start telling him and it was just so fascinated and he was just so excited to to meet me and for me I bring him a hope of, even though he never been in Africa, for me to just tell him where I come from. He already have the joy, and I was living out of there so happy. He bre- he gave me more stuff than than what I go for. He was like giving me cheese, uh, bacon, and 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 deer meat, and I'm just like I never ate deer meat before, but <laughs> you know I can try. But he was just so excited, and for me, like everywhere I go, my job is like if I can help you smile and bring some hope in Mm. your life. My job is done.
0: I love that. That's, that's wonderful. You know, I've learned a lot from our conversation today. And I, one of the things that I captured that I want our achievers to capture is to create an environment of understanding. Yes. I, I really think there's a lot of, as you said, a lot of misunderstanding in the world today in every part of the world Mm -hmm. even if we're right next to each other or countries apart there's if we can all take more time to understand each other i love how you said that it's it's we're we're the same but we've come from different environments yes and so the more we can understand each other and i think that's a great learning for us achievers and for our achiever audience is to continue to understand and listen and learn from each other yes wonderful wonderful you know paul
1: you know, you're going to see Lillian and Ochek. Ochek. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, this is her book. It's a wonderful book. It's not out yet, but it will be out soon.
2: But you can pre-order it. So and you, can, you
1: get- can pre-order it and... Uh, but you're going to see her on the speaking tour you're going to see her around and then she's going to grow this company and and I think she's going to be a great leader not only for Africa but here in the United States so I I think what's the best way to get a hold of this book
2: You can go to my website lilianokech.com okay. so okay. is with one l so it's l i l i a n o k e c h.com and O'Kish. you can pre-order your book okay. and I actually have a big book launch coming on April 1st at Grandview University so you can go on my website and get your ticket because I want to bring this beauty of African culture so when you go to the book launch celebration you will get the African food you will see the African dance and and our tradition so like I said I'm not settling for less I want you guys here in Iowa to know exactly where I come from
0: That's well, wonderful.
1: That's that's wonderful, and so if we could get your uh, information, we'll pass that on and hopefully get it on our podcast when this comes out and uh, but no what a wonderful and uh, you're definitely an achiever and a type of achiever we all need to
0: strive for and make everybody Lillian better. thank you really appreciate your openness and sharing and, and your understanding and look forward to getting to know you more
2: absolutely I'm glad to be here thank you for having me
0: you bet thanks for joining us on what's your ceiling and hopefully you as our achiever you learned a few new things about understanding and uh, caring for others so Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to What's Your Ceiling. We hope this episode has helped you transform the way you think, understand your awareness, has given you new ideas, and has provided you a new perspective on how to push through your ceiling. Please take in a second to give us a thumbs up. Each review helps us impact more people just like you, making a difference in this world. See you next week on What's Your Ceiling.